Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. You're listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. This is Paul Hawksby and this is the H&J Daily with some of the best bits of this afternoon's show. Well, we were joined by a boffin, Professor Carl Hennigan from Oxford University, who was telling us why he thinks club cricketers could be safely out there playing at the moment. He'll explain all. Uh, we spoke to uh, Barber to the stars, and when I say stars, as you'll discover, I mean stars, uh, Mark McIver, who's uh, back tomorrow, of course, was his uh, shop opens in East London. Uh, Mike Ward gave us his pick of the non-sporting TV at the weekend. We had some striker with Steve Bruce. And, of course, Martin Kellner had his week of sport on TV. And here it all is. Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, Andy. And I intended to take in two games of football last night, but I found after the first one I really didn't have the stomach (laughs) for Another game of football, which is poor. Just give me a few moments. I'll get this out of my system. It won't be quite as rabid as yours. But there's just a few observations uh, from last night. Quite apart from the atrocious uh, defending and a a goal, the second goal, you'd be embarrassed if you played for the under-10s. That was (laughs) appalling. Um, Mm. I mean, really, Tottenham, I said to you on an hour... Uh, but we've not worked Henderson at all. I mean, we've got these four attacking players. We're just, we're just playing in front of their, of their back three. It was, it was madness, the lack of ideas sometimes. One of the other problems that Tottenham have is that everything seems to go through Aurier. We've got this system now where Ben Davis has to become a surrogate third centre-half to allow Aurier to bomb on because you can't trust him to defend. And it's a bonkers system when you consider in terms of quality crosses into the box. And if you look at the amount of crosses Tottenham generally try and put into the box for people like Son and Kane, it's quite a lot, relatively speaking. Mm. Especially in a situation like that where they couldn't go through them, so they can't try and go around them. Aurier, although he's made some good goals, some good assists over the last couple of years, he's a 1 in 25 man. Every 25 crosses, <laughs> it's true. I, honestly, I'd love to see I'm the sure stats. Maybe if Duncan from Optor is, is listening, he can do the numbers for us easily. <laughs> 1 in 25 are decent. They're either over here, under here, or he falls over his own feet. Ben Davis is a 1 in 50. Seriously, I, I, re- I think I'm guessing, but I think those Ben Davies take two touches to get it onto his left foot and then hit the first man has become so. I, just, I worry, I look at that and I think Harry Kane must be thinking, Blimey, if I had Andy Robertson and Trent on, how many goals would I score? I mean, he must sit there sometimes at home with the missus and the kids stroking the Labradors thinking, How many goals would I score if I could get some decent delivery into the box? Which is a fear. Um, a lot of people have been saying, We've got to trust Jose until we, he has his first window. My, my problem with the window, I think it's going to go the same way as 
every situation we've had with Daniel Levy and managers is that uh, obviously he has decided he has certain players there he doesn't want. So he goes to the chairman and says, uh, I want some money to buy players. He said, we're well, going to need to sell to get some money. And I say, fine, that's okay, because I don't want him, I don't want him, and I don't want him. So that's all. That's the strategy. Uh, they're for sale. But there are no takers, because surprisingly, they're not very good. Uh, and as there are no takers, um, Daniel Levy has a certain tariff that he sets on players, which is generally well over the top. So it means that those players don't get sold. So or they, they're there to the last minute, or they just chived out on loan on the 30th of uh, August, if you're lucky. <laughs> Otherwise, there's the, they're this brooding presence training with the stiffs. And you know what Jose's like? If he doesn't get his own way, he's, he's going to start chipping away. I cannot see it last until Christmas for that reason, because the, the chairman won't do what the manager wants, and he's the kind of manager that will keep telling you, it's not my fault. I didn't want these players. Mm. I told the chairman. We're just going to be in that whole cycle again, and it's such a wasted opportunity when you look at what they could have done if they'd built at the rights. Anyway, I'm sick of talking about it. Let's move on. No, uh, you, uh, you're abso- you are absolutely right. And, of course, you know, you've got an owner there that's a very, very, very wealthy man. And I don't quite get why. If I had put what I'd put into Spurs, and they put into it, and had that fabulous stadium, I wouldn't go the extra mile. What's extra 150 million to him? It's nothing, you know, it really isn't. So why not it's, give it's the manager ba- the It's money? a third of, well, one, of his, the- one of his other yachts, one of his minor yachts, <laughs> I'd say, yeah. if, Joe, so if Joe wants to put a few quid in. But that's <laughs> never been the yachts. way. It's always just been, it's been purely an investment. Mm. You know, he's not... He's not I don't think he's as involved as, as someone like Roman no, Abramovich. He does, no, he doesn't have you a know? passion for it, I don't think. So I don't I know think, that, but it doesn't sound But anyway, like look, it's one result. They could bounce back at the uh, Monday against Everton. But I, I just see things there that worries me. And how Toby Alderweireld is not part of that back four, uh, really, which is crying out for a bit of experience, is beyond me. But anyway, we move on. I only saw highlights of the second game, Andy, but I wasn't all, altogether surprised yeah. because, you know, Liverpool, emotionally, that's been a hell of a week. So to go, you know, to go to the mountain again would have been quite difficult for them. So it wasn't that oh, yeah. big a shock, was it? No, it looked like one team had been playing in the FA Cup and battling away last weekend and the other had been celebrating the title. And it looked like that. Martin tried to say, well, it's not like that. But I think Gary agreed with me. One point he described Andy Robinson as seeing double, which I think <laughs> was fair enough. I'll tell you what I did think, though, a couple of observations. For me, you know when they came out the guard of honour it was like cricket clapping because there was no fans there it was just like this I was half expecting yeah. the Barmy army to go out and sing you'll never walk alone <laughs> and then I'm not sure about Eric Dyer's haircut I think I'd have waited till Saturday yeah. for a proper barber yeah, me. something went wrong there. Some of the, I think there might have been sort of the the charger ran out on the clippers, and uh, and they left it like that. It wasn't great. It wasn't it wasn't great to have a statement haircut. If that, if that was a statement you were going to make over the next ninety minutes, really, was it? It's true. Sheffield United's running is interesting. We should mention mm. them because they, I told you. They oh yeah, they like played. They better. played great. I mean, they yeah. got behind us in a way that we couldn't even imagine. I mean, he, they they did. I mean, they had very few chances, but they put all of them away. They were so clinical. They were, and it, it's interesting they're running. Running, it's actually in their own hands. If they face Wolves, Chelsea, and Leicester, if they win all three of those games, they're going to yeah. be in a very good position to make top four. So it's going to be uh, it's going to be interesting. Uh, and watching Roy Keane at half time and everything. Hmm. If I knew Roy Keane, I'd definitely welcome social distancing. That's a good distance to be away from Roy. I think. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but all in all, in all, I, I enjoyed the game. I tell you, the biggest difference. Uh, Jamie Carragher remembered the spat, but when when Gomez committed the penalty. Yeah, you remember yeah. the spat between Raheem and Joe Gomez, and the day after the uh, that game. And you think about that game, the intensity, and what yeah. that led to, and the fight at England camp, and all that. You know, it's a very, very different 
level of intensity in that game than there was last night. Last night was more, you know, yeah, yeah, it was nice, some nice football. By well, there was City, nothing riding on just, it, was there? I mean, it was reducing the gap to twenty points, wasn't it? That's all it was doing, mm. really, effectively. The, the the race has been run, and I mean, City can say it was a statement of intent, but we know they're good anyway. We know they can play like that. And yeah. Liverpool would have been we, better had they not won the title. If they needed to win the title last night, that would have been a very different game. Oh, yeah, they wouldn't would have been drinking the week, on the weekend with it. I did like Raheem to Trent, though, when he said quizzically, when he kicked him, he went, what's that for? <laughs> it's quite good to be able to hear that in that tone like that. So I enjoyed that. We'll talk, I think, with Motti about the goal, the, the VAR disallowed goal, because I know he hates it. But Spurs, once again, done by Ellery's law. I mean, yeah. it really is. I think it's one of the worst things ever introduced in football in the history of football. Yeah. I mean, it was done because of Laurenti's goal. He punched it in fine. We get that. So for, you've basically ruined football for the mm. sake of one goal that one you didn't incident. like. Yeah. I mean, it's true. And we saw one in the City game as well. It ran over Phil Foden's hand. He made no attempt to move toward it. Look, not that it mattered. It was a fifth goal. But the two last night, situations where goals have been ruled out, where the ball touching the hand has not made a significant difference, and it was completely accidental. But it's not Chris Kavanagh's fault. It's not Michael Oliver's fault. It's David Ellery's fault. We think, I think we, he sits there. Does he sit there, Andy? We're having this conversation. Does he sit there <laughs> yeah, watching the football of an evening with a, probably a fine glass of claret? In, I imagine he wears the old gowns he wore at Harry, puts those on to watch football. <laughs> That's his kind of la- lazing around his lounge clothes. That's so, his yeah. velour tracksuit. And he sits there in his gowns, possibly with a mortarboard, saying, man, I've made football better. Haven't I made it a better yes. game? I mean, he's Thank got goodness, IFAB on it. that goal was disallowed because, yeah. you know, that really did unless, unless I've been around to get that goal disallowed, haven't I? improve the game and where he's got oh, ifab on the front of the gowns he's put i'm fab he's just written it <laughs> written it in tipex and he's feeling great about it so thank that's you probably Dave. about right you really have made the world and the game indeed uh, a better it's place with your terrible the opposite law. of what he wanted to achieve so yeah. well done mate the hawksby and jacobs daily podcast now if you're a club cricketer there was more bad news uh, this morning because uh, the prime minister has uh, hinted there'll be no immediate return of the game he slightly changed his uh, angle on it uh, no longer it seems is the cricket ball vector a natural vector of disease as, as he said the other day he's blaming ridiculous uh, teas and changing rooms which the answer is you don't have tea uh, and you get changed in the car so uh, anyway let's go back to the science aspect of it because <laughs> professor carl hennigan director of oxford university's center for evidence-based medicine cannot see a reason why uh, medically uh, and scientifically uh, there's no club cricket uh, professor hennigan good afternoon Good afternoon. Yes, I say, there's a slight step back, it seems, in this interview this morning from the Prime Minister. The natural vector of disease was not played up uh, because that didn't make a great deal of sense to you, did it? No, it doesn't make sense to me whatsoever. Look, the risk is greater indoors than outdoors. Therefore, if you're not playing cricket, it's highly likely this weekend you'll probably end up in the pub or in somewhere indoors. So we have to bring a sense of pragmatism to what we're talking about. The second issue that's also incredibly important, your risk of being affected by COVID is greater if you're unfit, if you have diabetes, cardiovascular disease. So we have to get people back participating in sport in a way that we've never done before. So we need to get out there. Cricket outdoors is a safe sport. 
I agree. I, I don't know why the government have got this attitude to recreational cricket. I can't work out where this is coming from. I was speaking to a neighbour this morning, been playing tennis for two weeks, and they started off trying to use their own balls, and then they realised that was impossible. So now they just play, and they're fine. I, I, it really, it would be interesting to know what the reason is behind behind their thought. Yeah, I think there's a sort of sense here of advice which is on overly conservative, overly risk-averse. I think there are three issues I would think about in cricket. One is sharing of equipment, so that's the gloves which we know people might share. Second is sharing of drinks. I think that's one area I would just say there's a concern. And the third thing I would just say is it's probably the end of ball shining as we know it because that's a high-risk activity in the sport because you lick your hands, you lick the ball and you pass it around. Then on absolutely fine but the government's position here keeps flip-flopping it is incredibly important that people get out and exercise and participate in sports it's good for their health reduces their risk from covid and it's good for their mental well-being the prime minister has also said today uh, some of the other factors around cricket that makes it different from tennis he says uh, he said it's the general proximity you wouldn't get in tennis that you may get in cricket. Does that where work with you? <laughs> that is just. I mean, again, it's just. It's trying to fit some evidence to help you out with a, an implausible policy. What we know is what's what's the nearest area you sit in the slits. Well, the slits is two arms apart, which is six foot six if you're a tall bloke. So you're even in the two meter distance. So actually, it's, it's not clear. There's no social distance issues within cricket. I agree there's a slight issue when you think about changing rooms. There's a slight issue about the cucumber sandwiches, but you can put them aside and, like you say, get changed in the in the car park. Or you can have a little marquee or something outside that allows you to change outside. Very straightforward procedure. This is a very clear policy that needs to change rapidly. I wonder how long they will persevere with this. I know people in club cricket are so disappointed not to be able to play. And if they leave it too much longer, it'll be too late. Won't it? The cricket season's short enough as it is. So we're into July now. So they don't make their decision by August. You know, that gives people yeah, about one it's month, crazy. You know, which is not you, a lot. Professor Hennigan, just another question. Now, on football, actually, and the return, potential return of crowds to football I mean you say outside the the kind of UV rays do make a difference and uh, so I mean how do you feel about the idea of a return to football limited crowds obviously not not full yeah. crowds do you think that's possible yeah I think it is possible well the, the risk will never get to zero that's what people have to be aware of and in doing that we all have to be vigilant stay alert and think about what reduces our risk in a football match well, actually, better hand-washing facilities, more sanitation stations will help the situation. But the key is now where the risk of infection is low, we need to get out there and try all these issues and see what happens. And in doing that, work out what the levels of uh, stadiums that can be filled, where the risk is mitigated. So I would start to think about putting 30% of the population in stadiums, in the low-risk areas, increase the strategies around hand washing and sanitization and let's see what happens because it's important we start to do that otherwise if we do this in the middle of winter when the risk is higher that will be more of a problem are you expecting to see it because i mean there's been a lot of talk about the idea that we'd see a drop off in cases during the summer for these reasons and then a, a spike i think that's what happened in in the pandemic in 1918 wasn't it i mean you, you're expecting a similar pattern well, most of that is built around respiratory infections like influenza, and that's most of our thinking. 
what we consider is that the transmission of the virus, the stability is less when it's warmer, when the humidity is greater, and particularly outdoors and with UV light. So your risks are much less outdoors. And I do think within the mass participation sports, actually being outdoors also reduces your risk. What you don't want to do is for a sport to become part of what we call a super spreading event. And that's mm. what will spook everybody. So this is why we have to learn about, in fact, which events do actually contribute to super spreading. And at the moment, we don't quite understand which ones do. The problem I think everybody's having with the current advice is it's inconsistent and incoherent across different areas. So, for instance, you can go to the pub, but you can't send your children to schools. You can play tennis, you can't play cricket. In fact, even swimming looks like a very safe participatory sport because the virus is inactivated by chlorine. So what we need is an evidence-based approach and not a sort of finger-in-the-air approach, which is sort of making it up as we go. And if we become coherent and consistent, the main point is let's get the sports out there and then start with, while the risk is low, of getting people to participate with going to the event themselves. And yes, it will increase your risk, but let's try and work out the evidence of how much by. Good to talk to you. Appreciate you joining us. Thank you. You're welcome. Professor Carl Hennigan there, Director of Oxford University's Centre for Evidence-Based Medicine. Do you think they might have a situation where they say under-40s can go to football? You know, because the risk for under-40s is so much less than it's for people of my age. I mean, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't be happy about it from my point of view, but I'd be happy to see young people going to football if they're safe enough, you know. So Obviously, under 40s with no underlying conditions that don't live with grandparents or people who are at risk, you know. Of course, yeah, Yeah, no, no, obviously there are criteria, but, you know, if we're going to do something, we have to do it, don't we? We can't just play behind closed doors forever. Well, if we are going to come back, we all have to have, you know, there'll be systems to get in and out the stadium, and what we'll have to make sure, you know, you do get some, Dolts who go to football, we get dolts all over the place that think, "Oh, that rule doesn't apply to me." So I'll go in. I'll go out through the door that says "only go in" or vice versa, you know. And so you'd yeah. you'd have to trust football fans, which uh, you know I'd love to do, but uh, you know I've seen enough of them and been one for long enough to know that you can't always trust football fans. But uh, so that would be a concern. It only lasts as long as people behave themselves at the game and followed the followed the rules. Hopefully they would, you know, Let's have a bit of faith maybe. So, um, uh, let's bring you Stryker. Uh, and this is Steve Bruce's murder mystery. Dance is bringing it to life as Steve. It's episode 69. The letters for town manager Steve Barnes has woken from his sleep to discover an intruder in his house. Someone was in the kitchen with me. And that someone was armed. I could see the weapon clearly enough by the light from the refrigerator. Who the hell are you? I shouted. Chapter 12. Before I had the chance to make my move, the intruder had made for the door. A single shot brought me to my senses. Forgetting my bruises, I dived forward. I took him by the legs, just below the knees. As he crashed to the floor, he released a second shot. It struck the refrigerator and came off at an angle. The bullet whistled past my head. He struck out with the gun. The metal glanced off the side of my head. It was enough to send me sideways. Swiftly, he jumped to his feet. Despite the bullet which had struck it, the refrigerator light was still working. That was now an advantage to my opponent. He stood in the half-light, legs slightly apart, and aimed the gun straight at me. I dived to one side, fast, 
and slammed against the fridge door. The light was no longer visible. The bullet just missed me. I threw myself at him and grabbed his right hand, the one that was holding the gun. I twisted hard. He let out a yell of pain. The gun clattered on the kitchen tiles. He fought back like a tiger. He kicked at my knees. I moved to the side to avoid the kick. He dived forward, but instead of seeking to take me by the shoulders or the torso, he came in with what was a sliding tackle. My knees buckled. Surely a red card. He moved his forearm swiftly and struck my nose. And I saw stars. Help was at hand, however. At that very moment, I heard the loud klaxon horns of approaching police cars. Why, I have often wondered as I watch movies, do the police warn people of their approach? It alerts them that it's time to escape. This occasion was no different. He was gone before the police had scaled the gates. He must have thought he was playing against Cass again, old Steve, who brought it all back. Also, now now I can shoot. I now know I can shoot my own fridge, and it'll still work. But what an ad campaign that would be for the <laughs> fridge company! You know, it can take a bullet. Just ask Steve Barnes from Lettersford Town. Steve could have made a few quid there. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from Talksport. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost fifty pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. Big Bob Mills was on with uh, Jim White earlier on and uh, he said he's off to the barbers tomorrow morning. <laughs> he's a man with a lot of big hair up. anyway. So I've got, yes. a, I've, got in lock- I've got a big Ken Barlow in lockdown. <laughs> it's a bit thick and uh, it's, it's, it's coming off next, next week. Um, so I'm sure a lot of people will be heading for the barbers tomorrow. So uh, great news, really, for everybody in that uh, profession. Uh, and among them, uh, a barber to the stars. Uh, in, when I say stars, I'm talking about Anthony Joshua, LeBron James, uh, Daniel Sturridge, lots of other top people as well. Stormzy, Tiny Temper, others have uh, gone there for a trim. Uh, it is from Slider Cuts. 
in East London. Mark McIver, good afternoon, Mark. Hey, good afternoon. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. You, you can't pleasure. You're, you're chomping at the bit to, to, to open again after all this time. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. <laughs> I'm actually in the shop now, just setting up my stuff for tomorrow. Right. I, I, uh, where you... we get a haircut has been sent sent out a message saying um, about all the different PPE they're going to have. I mean, you, you are going to have to jump through some hoops, aren't you, and stuff uh, to, to get open again. Yes, 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 yes. We've had to do a lot with, you know, you know, protective um, equipment like, you know, visors now, you know, wearing gloves, thorough cleaning in between each haircut. We can't have as many people waiting in the shop anymore. So we removed a lot of, like, um, chairs, waiting areas. For walk-ins now, we have a queuing system which goes outside. Yes, there's a lot that's gone into kind of getting us open again. It's been interesting watching the uh, football come back, Mark, and see some players obviously have had their hair done and other players, managers, haven't. So I presume that people who have done it have either done it themselves or lived with somebody who've had a go at it. Yeah, you would you'd assume that. Or there's, you know, some underground barbers. <laughs> I think there are some. I think there are some underground barbers. I definitely, I was waiting I mean, for you to say it. Really, <laughs> it's difficult, isn't it? Because I mean, obviously, a lot of your clients they want to they they want haircuts, um, but you know, you've you've got to play by the rules, haven't you? Yeah, indeed. You know, um, it's been a long three months, just over three months, and loads of people were really bugging me for haircuts, chasing me down the street when they saw me out just running <laughs> with my kids, saying, "I need a haircut now." You know, but you just have to say, look. It's for safety, so, you know, this is the date. It's not in my hand, you know. It's what the, the government has said, so we just of wait. Of course. T- tell us a bit about this book that you've got either coming out or you've released. It's some sort of training book, but it's not It's not just about doing people's hair, is it? It's about setting up businesses and things like that? Yeah, it's more so about business. So it's called Shaping Up Culture, mm-hmm. and it's actually a business book. And it talks about my experiences, especially setting up the businesses I have set up. But it's more so about people's approach to business. Um, and the first real five steps to getting into business, because I always thought that when I looked at business books, they always made the assumption that everybody already knew about the basics of, you know, good credit and, you know, how to get a loan or, you know, um, just these things there. So I was like, you know what? Being so many people and I'm telling them these first five steps, I said it would be good to put it into a book. Yeah. What was your route then into the, the kind of sporting and, and showbiz world? Was there one client that was a bit of a sort of gateway for, for others? Do you know what? No, it never happened like that for me. It happened to a number of different um, clients. I just worked very hard, you know, and I just kind of took on every opportunity that came my way. I was working, especially in the beginning of my career, like seven days a week. Um, we closed at six, but, you know, I'd work till clients stopped coming in. So what happened for me was I put myself in a position where I was always being seen so then different things just started happening, you know. So over the years, I've cut different clients, but I can't say there was one particular client that made everybody else come because these different clients came from different means, from word of mouth to social media to seeing my website, you know, to recommendation. So, yeah, so for me, it's been like a, would you call it like a 360, where, you know, there's different realms that I've got clients from. Yeah. I mean, it's all, a bit, it's all very well doing the, the, the hair of, of kind of British stars, but suddenly... To get the call from LeBron uh, over probably in LA or so, that must have been interesting. Well, yeah, that, that happened because there was a British basketball player called Pops Mensah. He played for the GB team. He got a scholarship in America. Yep. So he's hmm. come back to England every year to see his family. And I didn't know who he was. One day he just came to the shop. He just sat down. He was an NBA star at this time. Just sat down and waited, waited maybe an hour, hour and a half. And then 
and then I um, and then um, he got into my chair. I cut yeah. his hair. He came back the next year. I cut him again. Then I just said to him, you know, you're torn. You know, I was like, and he had an American accent, kind of. I was like, I was like, you know, what do you do? And he's like, oh, I'm an MBA. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. That's brilliant. Well, I'm sure all your, all your regulars will be pleased to have you open again. Uh, continued success, Mark. Lovely to talk to you. All the best. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me on. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. They are very much talking sporting TV now with... Talk radios, and I'm delighted to say talk sports from uh, uh, this evening. Martin Kellner, good afternoon, Martin. Good afternoon to you, boys. I'm delighted to be joining the uh, talk sport family. Indeed, what What a family! What a family (laughs) it is! What a dysfunctional (laughs) family! (laughs) (laughs) Remember the Garnets. Yeah, Very um, much so. yeah. So, um, yeah. So, because we're going to be able to hear you on Talk Sport overnight as well as on Talk Radio now, aren't we? Yes, uh, a longer show for the same money. So, um, I must get a new agent, basically. <laughs> so, yeah, very much looking forward to being on Talk Sport tonight after uh, well one o'clock, I think. Yeah, one o'clock. good stuff, Martin. Uh, before you move on to this week's selections, can I thank you for the recommendation? I am Ali. It's wonderful it's show. Fantastic, film, isn't really. It? Yeah, mm. I've really enjoyed it. I've all I've sort of watched it in bits. Really, I haven't quite finished it, but excellent, great recommendation. Mm. Really good, really good. Uh, this week I've been very much enjoying watching the uh, football, obviously the Premier League football, and specifically on Wednesday. Um, mm. It was um, a hugely exciting match. Enjoyed it very much, uh, despite the um, <laughs> despite the VAR in the uh, in the early stages. Um, but uh, you know we got away with that. I thought on Wednesday, enjoyed it uh, a lot. Why does, why, why does your team always do this against Chelsea? Why don't they play like <laughs> no. that against anybody else? Do you feel cheated? It's Andy bonkers. thinks West Ham fans should be feel cheated that they only turn it on about four games a season and they can't get themselves up for uh, Norwich. And then, well, hopefully we will go. We've got to the, the so-called easy matches. But I had to agree with uh, what Gary Neville was saying during the Chelsea match. That there will actually be under more pressure when they play teams like Newcastle and Burnley and Norwich, who we've still got to play and they're expected to win. That's when the, uh, when the pressure will, will come, I think, more than the, the Chelsea match. But I was delighted to take mm. that uh, free gift. Before uh, sport, thought... Mark, when we talk sport, there was sad news uh, uh, the great Carl Reiner died oh. uh, this week, the legendary Carl Reiner. Mm. And I know you may be playing a little bit of the 2,000-year-old uh, man overnight, potentially. Is this right? Yes, just as... Because, um, yeah, obviously, uh, Carl Reiner, fantastic straight man, asks uh, Mel Brooks, who's playing this 2,000-year-old man, how do you stay alive for 2,000 years? What is it? He says, it's what I eat. It's my diet. Nothing but r- nothing but room temperature, clear spring water. That's all I eat. J- just spring water. <laughs> and he says, how do you live on It's just spring water and a little stuffed cabbage. And uh, Carl Ryan says, stuffed cabbage, is that allowable? He says, who knows if it's allowable? What am I going to live on, water? Uh, uh, I might play that bit. I'll play a couple of bits. The, uh, they... I watched the comedians in cars um, t- drinking oh, coffee with Seinfeld. That's it with Carl Reiner and Mel Brooks. That's that's on Netflix. That's worth checking out as well. Oh, anyway, let's move on to sp- We should sport, move on yes. to sport. Yeah. I think we should move on to sport. Uh, I watched uh, Pele, Argentina and the Dictators, which is oh, on yeah. the BBC. Seen that before. It's oh, very it's good, good yeah, isn't it's it? It's good. 
It's a cracking documentary, and it's still on iPlayer. It was because it, it was shown on the BBC last Saturday, so uh, still on iPlayer. Uh, and basically, it, it focuses on the World Cups of 1970 and 1978, both won by South American countries, both at the time under uh, right-wing military regimes. And they've got a clip of uh, Brian Clough from the uh, 1978 coverage on ITV saying, oh, there are a lot of question marks about the way they run the country. Um, they also, which was his... Uh, That's an understatement, his, isn't it? Yes, yeah. well, I just thought that because that was followed by somebody who'd been tortured by the uh, Argentine re- regime yes. who, uh, you know, also thought there was a lot of question marks. But anyway, I thought it, it was interesting because two different sorts of uh, repression at the time. Brazil, nowhere near as extreme as what was going on in Argentina in 78. Mm. Uh, but they had interviews with several of the, of the 1970 players, including Tosteo, who or um, who? Interesting enough, looks exactly like Larry David. Does I don't he? know whether you noticed this when you were watching it. <laughs> really? Yeah, t- j- look at it again. Just sort of zoom through on uh, iPlayer. But yeah, Tosteo, 1966 to 72, he was with uh, Brazil. None of them seem to be that concerned about the fact. Oh, they seem to have put the fact that the country was run by this military dictatorship to the back of their minds when they were playing in the World Cup. Uh, Saldana, who was the coach, um, mm. not not the coach in the World Cup, I think it was just before the World Cup, wasn't it? And then yeah. was sacked and Zagallo uh, was brought in. But he was um, he was quite left-wing. And uh, in one of the interviews, he's, he was asked, do you have political prisoners in Brazil? And he said, yes, we have political prisoners. Some are being killed. And that was, yeah. you know, in the run-up to the World Cup. It was uh, unbelievable. Um, and it, you know, Jairzinho was was rather keen on the um, on the, military on the regime. regime, was he? <laughs> yes, he thought it was a bit, a bit of discipline. Do the Brazilians no harm at all? Was um, was his general view on that? That's incredible. Joe, the late great Joe Mercer he always used to refer to a Tostao as Toaster. We don't know why, but <laughs> toaster. He, he called, he called Pele toaster. Peeler, didn't he? Peeler, Peeler, and yeah. Toaster. Yeah. Peter and Toaster. Great, well, uh, Toaster, now, as I say, looks exactly like Larry David. Check oh. it out. Has he got his own TV mean? show on Brazilian TV? Ah, oh, but not, not, <laughs> well, uh, he will not look, he will not look as like, uh, as much like Larry David as the former Boca, Copa Libertadores winning manager, Bianchi. You check him out. He really is Larry David. Oh, right. Oh, okay. I'll look at that as well. well. But, yeah, so, uh, <laughs> that, that was 1970, anyway. Rivellino, who was interviewed, very noisy parrots. I thought there was something going wrong. I was watching the interview there and thought, oh, my computer's playing. But it wasn't his parrots. He's got a whole load of parrots, uh, Rivellino. So that's an interesting uh, fact for uh, (laughs) parrot lovers. Um, (laughs) But General Medici was the guy who was in charge in uh, 1978. Not a football fan at all, uh, but in the run-up to the um, football, or at least um, Videla, wasn't it? I think who was the... uh, He'd never set foot on a football pitch before. Uh, but in the run-up to the World Cup, he went to seven matches in a month, uh, just wow. to prove. Uh, but but you know, they, basically, what they were saying was that um, the the World Cups were really a showcase for for the regime. And I thought to myself, that's more or less what international sport is anyway. You know, it's not that everyone's got a military regime, but when we had the uh, the Olympics in 2012, it mm. was really a showcase for um, for the UK. You know, for the UK's history, for the National Health Service. All that stuff that went on in the opening ceremony uh, and the fact that, you know, you have to be sure that you've got enough traffic lanes open so everybody can easily get to the stadium and all that. Mm. That's what international sport is in many ways. 
Uh, anyway, I watched that. Also yes. watched, um, <laughs> I watched the Broken Skull Sessions, well. which is yeah, it's Steve. <laughs> It's about wrestling. Oh, right. Um, right. It was an interview between Big Show and uh, Steve Stone Cold Austin. What I thought was mainly interesting about this, because I'm not a huge fan of uh, WWE or anything, um, was mainly interesting. They both hold, were holding cans of beer um, oh. during the interview and taking occasional swigs, which I thought was... You don't get it on Newsnight. <laughs> and I thought the uh, what I particularly what I particularly liked about it was it was a sort of throwback to the days when um, you know you watch interviews and they're smoking all the way through you know some of those old uh, yeah. Parkinson interviews um, and Mel Brooks interestingly uh, I saw an interview with him where he had a big cigar that he was smoking mm. um, you never see people smoking or drinking during would you like a Sky days. Throwback Sunday then or Monday night <laughs> maybe they, they him and Cara yeah. and uh, and Gary sit there with I a did. sort of oh, a, a glass of Scotch and a big stogie on that would be oh. sitting back. That would be Dave, Dave with his pipe. I'd that'd love be good, it. I'd, I'd, I think that'd look good. Yeah, I would love a whole series on TV just of people who smoked on TV and people who maybe were drunk on TV. And you could do it in because at the moment there's nothing on the TV. There's, yeah, nothing, there's nothing like it. It's probably a good reason for that. Isn't it? Yeah. The, well, no, but there's no, what I'm saying is there's nothing new on TV. No. For instance, mm. I was looking through the, the listings and there was a program called My Extreme Excess Skin. Right? Wow. But you know how when people lose a lot of weight, <laughs> really? obviously they have yeah. a lot of excess skin, right? Yeah. There was a whole... So I checked mm. this program out. It was on yeah. TLC, not a mm. channel that I watch uh, habitually, but it was on TLC. It doesn't sound like a title with a great deal of TLC, does it? <laughs> no, it doesn't. And the great thing was I thought, well, what's, what's this program all about? And as I thought, it was about exactly it's not rugby I league, it I take about. it. <laughs> not rugby league, no. <laughs> no. Uh, it's a shame, really. Rugby league comes back at the end of the football season, I'm told, Super yeah. However, the Australian mm. stuff's on there. But it's called My Extreme Excess Skin, and it was what I thought it was about, people who slim and have a lot of excess skin. Three series, 13 episodes. Wow. In se- How can you keep that going for three series? That's a lot of excess <laughs> skin. skin, is there? That's, that, how much <laughs> yeah. skin is there in the world? That is yeah. people treading on their skin as they're walking down the street. Because it's essentially the same show, isn't it? It's, it's different people who've, say, lost weight, which we, which we say well done to them. They have now got excess skin. Yeah. So there yeah. are no, no real mass. I suppose they've got excess skin in different places, so that allows you to, to go into series three. But I mean, I want to know what yeah. I want to know what the twist is at the end. But, <laughs> yeah, that's right. <clears throat> he was a ghost all along. I think you'll find that's what it was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, you haven't got so, um, you haven't got skin in the game, have you? We've got skin in the game. Is the, <laughs> can I sports, is the sports <laughs> version? Um, well, do recommend something can I to recommend me? to you. Yes, yes, because you need something after watching that. Uh, Graham Hunter's excellent documentary, oh, which I, I watched Graham. on a plane. Sky showed it last night. Take the ball, pass the ball. If you want to know anything about everything you wanted to know about Pep Guardiola yeah. this is the documentary for you it's yeah. it's got brilliant people in it it's brilliant analysis it's, it is excellent I would recommend it oh, I love Graham Hunter I used to like his 200 word intros he used to write in the Daily Mail uh, <laughs> and of course I like all his performances uh, yeah. and in the Guardian case, I like all his performances uh, on your show too yeah so we're, we're watch now, take the ball as you're overnight now on Talk Sport as well as Talk Radio Martin mm. will, there, will you be a bit more sport leaning are you going to become uh, Billy Sport yes. I mean 
in his system. Well, what they've, what they've said to me <laughs> is... Uh, <laughs> what they've said to me Whoever that is, is, we mainly uh, think of it as a newspaper <laughs> and you start at the back, which I do anyway. So you yeah. start at the back of the newspaper and when you get to the middle, you stop. So they're not interested in hard news. They're inter- I've always said that um, people who complain... When my daughter was working for the Daily Mail, mm. people used to say, oh, Daily Mail's surprised you. It worked for the Daily Mail. And they always say Daily Mail is a fantastic sport newspaper. It's a brilliant sport newspaper. Read, start at the back of the Daily Mail, read all the sport, and once you get to the adverts for the walking baths and the corduroy trousers, stop reading. And uh, that way, it's, but it's, it was a brilliant sport paper. It still is a brilliant sport paper. And we're, we're doing the same sort of thing, except no Lovely. adverts for corduroy trousers, apparently. It's a shame, because I'm looking in the middle of uh, oh, the paper today, and uh, there's news that beavers have been born in Essex for the first time I since the Middle that. Ages, and that sounds the sort of thing I'd want to hear at half past three in the morning. Yeah, nice beavers. <laughs> I, I'll do that, definitely. Yeah. Brilliant, Martin. Well, we look forward it to it overnight excellent. then. Was it one till five still? Or is it no, it's one till flipping six. That's one the whole point. Blimey, I didn't realise it was that. hard. What? One till six That's ridiculous. Well, I've been in America. I put both sides of 2,000-year-old man on, definitely. And then play then play a couple of Yes albums. Yeah, possibly. All the best, Martin. Thanks. Cheers, boys. You can catch Martin Kellner uh, overnight then uh, one till six on uh, talk radio. And <laughs> I'm not sure that's humane, is it? <laughs> the Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from Talk Sport. We close today looking at some of the non-sporting TV this weekend. If you if you just need a break, it's unlikely, but if you do, uh, Mike Ward from the Star is here to mark your card once again. Good afternoon, Mike. Hi, guys. Um, maybe we should start with football, though, because your team are in action. Well, just yeah. In the Prediction League, uh, of course, they are on telly tomorrow on BT Sport. Of course. Indeed, on Talk Sport. Um, yep. um, Andy went for you to win 1-0. I went for the draw. But Brian Gunn, Motti and Eddie the Wolves fan all favoured the Norwich victory. So mm. how did you see this? <laughs> it's, uh, well, it's a difficult one. We had to beat Norwich. Uh, I think when we got promoted to the Premier League, we had to uh, get at least a point at Norwich to get the, the actual title and it was one of those situations where we'd already gone up and I don't think we even entered an opposition team's half for the remaining three games uh, oh. so did we go. So I was, I was slightly apprehensive but uh, you know uh, what, will, what will be will be it would have been nice if uh, Chelsea had done us a favour the other night but there you go three more points yeah, in your home no. and hosed aren't you really I would yeah, think a lot of people well do. let's let's not it's yeah, not let's, let's, not get, let's not count any checking these Indeed, they say in no. football. Uh, okay, yeah, so I'm the quite gadget interested in. I was going to yeah. go on to the gadget shows. Yeah, this is on tonight, and uh, yeah. it's interesting. You tell us that they never send you a preview of this. Maybe they haven't got one of those machines that allow you <laughs> to forward a little digital file. <laughs> they don't trust the technology. I know yeah. it's, it's, it's it's very weird. It's, it's, I think it's. I think the idea is that it's it's filmed uh, up to the last minute because obviously the world of gadgetry it moves on so quickly that if they sort of you know if they film it on a Monday by Tuesday it's all uh, antique stuff. Um, so, yeah, but I. I'm I'm a bit I'm I'm sort of I'm not a non-geeky person, but they're looking at 8K television now. Am I have I missed something here? Am I being stupid? <laughs> what what happened to five, six, and seven? Did they, yeah. have, they, have they been That's and a gone? Good point. <laughs> we just been. just we're just doubling it. It's going to be 16K after that, and then it. it I, I, I'll be honest with you, when it comes on the telly and it says, if you want to watch this in UHD as opposed to HD, I press the button, I honestly can't see any difference. Really? I've got okay. I've got fuzzy eyesight, perhaps. I know my eyesight's not the best, but I could understand, you know, if you watch some of the old footage pre-HD that they've been showing over the summer, that does look like it's, you know, through a fog. But the difference between, you know, I think the, 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 the differences now are begin, becoming quite mm. tiny. 
But anyway, they're moving on with sure. it, and, and the broadcasters are experimenting with the I next step. So who are we to stop them? Yeah. You get used to it as well. The thing is with a new telly, when you get a new telly and it's got 4K or whatever it's got in it, yeah. and the first time you turn it on, you go, oh, look at this picture. It's unbelievable, isn't it? What a yeah. picture. You know? And then after a while, you just get used to it. So you, you do. Sort of, it's only when you watch something, something else, you, you think, It is. Fine. It, anyway. Yes, exactly right, yeah. We're looking out for 8K. Uh, okay, well, I know something um, Andy will definitely be watching on Saturday. Andy Murray's Greatest Hits. Yeah, big big fan, I know, uh, Andy. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, and what's great, it goes on for two hours, and then there's another two hours of it, the second part, on Sunday. So you can have a four-hour feast. You can save it all up and watch it all in one hit if you want. Uh, it's looking back on Andy's... Uh, uh, career so far in some depth, I'd imagine over over the course of four hours. But obviously, he got the uh, the Olympic titles, and uh, uh, did he win two Olympic titles? He did, didn't he? Oh, and why am I asking I think, you? I think <laughs> he did, and uh, yeah, obviously, one Wimbledon. And, Not uh, too bad. You can hardly wait for it. Uh, yeah. Now we've got. Uh, this has been very controversial in your newspaper, actually. A lot of the uh, people who write to the text column are not happy about Alan Carr's game show. It's been going on all week. People, some people have been sticking up for it. Other people have been slagging it off. I've quite enjoyed it. I thought well, I watched um, the Play Your Cards Right uh, one this mm. week. I think he did a good job. It's not easy succeeding these great people like um, Bruce Forsyth and Barry more people like that I think he's done a reasonable job I think so and, and, and I, as I always say with remakes you know the original is still out there you know it's not like the original is going to be sort of wiped from history well it might actually you know, who knows um, it might be wiped from history but you know I'm sure you could track down the original bullseye on, on, on Challenge TV or on, on YouTube or something if you want to watch it in its purest form so I think that what they've done is sort of take it and, and give it a little bit of a, a, a modern day spin which is which is fair enough you know now on Sunday, this is very interesting. This is uh, 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 the the Kemp's. Yes. Uh, Reese Thomas is behind this. Who did Brian Perm with Simon Day on mm -hmm. BBC Four yeah, and has done lots of other stuff besides. This is Martin and Gary Kemp kind of uh, doing sort of cartoon versions of themselves. Yeah, absolutely. Exaggerated versions. So it obviously immediately brings to mind the Bross documentary, which wasn't yeah. meant to be a mockumentary, <laughs> but sort of <laughs> developed that a life of its own in that respect um, a couple of years ago. So yeah, it's Gary and Martin talking about you know what they're planning to do, you know, post Spandau in the wake of the uh, 40th anniversary celebrations etc and other careers and and business opportunities they're uh, pursuing martin trying to get a sci-fi movie franchise off the ground yeah. gary uh, has a new brand of vegan meat substitute to promote <laughs> and, and it's, i mean <laughs> they're just playing along brilliantly and that's because they're brothers they, they know exactly how to pitch it to sort of uh, to, to, you know to do it completely tongue-in-cheek so yeah it's good fun it's really good fun that's 10 o'clock people yeah. on sunday having met yeah, them a couple of times that's good Gary is a bit more intense, so it's it's interesting. I, I can imagine Martin sort of falling into this quite easily. But well, Gary's the one. Gary was always the one, you know, as, as kids. He was the musician, and Martin mm. was the one who was a, 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 originally just the roadie. And they sort of got him in because he had better fashion sense and he looked prettier. So I think that was that, that's enormously that's what they say in interviews. So you know, I think the intensity comes from him being the sort of you know the the, the creative force behind much of Spandau Ballet's you know greatest moments. So this is ten o'clock BBC Two. It's just a half an hour. Yeah. Yes. Oh, look, well, we look forward to that, Mike. Well, look, it's uh, good to talk to you as always. Absolutely. And, uh, enjoy the football. Uh, oh, we this will. Weekend, and Mike Brighton. And um, we will catch up with you next week. Thanks Cheers, very much. Take care. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from Talk Sport. There we are. That was this afternoon's show. We're actually off on Monday. We'll leave you in the very capable hands of Max Rushton and Charlie Baker. 
Uh, and don't forget, you can download the Clips of the Week podcast from wherever you got this podcast. So uh, we'll catch up with you next week. Stay safe and enjoy all the football. You've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hear the guys every weekday between 1 and 4 p.m. on TalkSport. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.